0: Prologue to Bransford of Rainbow Range by Eugene Manlove Rhodes. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by David Wales. Bransford of Rainbow Range by Eugene Manlove Rhodes. Prologue. One, the long fall roundup was over the wagon homeward bound made camp for the last night out of the sinks of lost river most of the men worn with threescore night guards were buried under their tarps in the deep sleep of the weary sound as that of the just and much more common by the low campfire, a few yet lingered old timers iron men whose wiry and seasoned strength was toil-proof and Leo Ballinger, for whom youth, excitement, and unsated novelty served in lieu of fitness, the firelighters working the wide range again from Ancho to Waco from the Malpais to Glencoe, fell silent now to mark an unstaled miracle. The clustered lights of Rainbow's end shone redly, near and low beyond above, dominant. The black, unbroken bulk of rainbow range shut out the east. The clear-cut crest mellowed to luminous curves, feathery with far-off pines. The long skyline thrilled with frosty fire, glowed, sparkled. The cricket's chirp was stilled. The slow, late moon rose to a hushed and waiting world. On the sharp crest she paused, irresolute, tiptoe, quivering rosily aflush. Above floated a web of gossamer. She leaped up, spurning the black rim, glowed, palpitant, through that filmy lace, and all the desert throbbed with vibrant light. Cool and sweet and fresh, from maiden leagues of clean brown earth, the desert winds made whisper in grass and fragrant shrub yucca mesquite and greasewood swayed so softly you had not known save as the long shadows courtesied and danced leo flung up his hand the air was wine to him a year had left the desert still new and strange gee he said eloquently headlight nodded You're dead right on that point, son. If Christopher K. Columbus had only thought to beach his shallops on the sundown side of this here continent, he might have made a name for himself. Just think how much different, hysterically, these United States—this United States, corrected Pringle dispassionately. Their fathers had disagreed on the same grammatical point. Headlight scowled by jings that this united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states he quoted i was going to give you somethin new to exercise your talons on you sit here every night ridin broncs and four-footin steers and never grab a horn or waste a loop not once sure things ain't amusin some variety and doubtful accuracy now would develop our guessin gifts aforesaid smith brandished the end-gate rod them speculations of yours sorta opens up of themselves if california been settled first the salmon would now be our national bird instead of the potato think of arizona mother of presidents seat of the government at milpitas center of population about butte new jersey Hallen about nevada trust he impaled a few beef ribs and held them over the glowing embers georgia and south carolina would be infested by cowpersons in decollete leather panties said jeff bransford new york and pennsylvania would be fondly turning a credulous ear to the twenty-fourth consecutive solemn promise of statehood with the senator from walla walla urging admission of both as one mighty state with maryland and virginia thrown in for luck headlight forgot his peak wouldn't the railroad sound funny though needles and eastern northern atlantic southern atlantic union western kansas and central atlantic earnest and continuous demand for a president from east of the mississippi all the prize fights pulled off at boston columbus done just right said pingle decisively you fellers ain't got no imagination at all if this western country'd been settled first the maps would read northeast territory uninhabitable wilderness region of storm and snow roaming savages and fierce wild beasts when the intrepid explorer hit the big white weather he'd say little old san diego's good enough for me yes sir oh well climate alone doesn't account for the charm of this country nor scenery said leo you feel it, but you don't know why it is it sure agrees with your by-laws observed pringle you're a sight changed from the furtive behemoth you was you'll make a hand yet but even now your dimensions from east to west is plumb fascinatin i'd sure admire to have your picture to put in my cornfield very well mr pringle i'll exchange photographs with you said leo artlessly a smothered laugh followed this remark uncertainty as to what horrible and unnamed use leo would make of pringle's pictured face appealed to these speculative minds i've studied out this charm business said jeff see if i'm not right it's because there's no habitually old men here to pattern after to steady us to make us ashamed of just stayin boys now and then you hit an antagonal cuss like wes here that on a mere count of years and hairs might be sized up as old by the superficial observer but if i've ever met that man more addicted with vivid nonchalance as to further continuance of educational facilities than this same also ran his number has now escaped me really aged people stay where they was I think myself that what makes life so easy and congenial in these latigos and longitudes is the dearth of law and the ladies. Thus Pringle the cynic. A fourfold outcry ensued indignant repudiation of the latter heresy. Their protests rose above the customary subdued and quiet drawl of the out-of-doors man. But has the law no defenders? demanded Leo. We've got to have laws to make us behave sure thing likewise tis the waves that make the tide come in said jeff a good law is as handy as a good pocket-book but law as simply such independent of its merits rouses no enthusiasm in my manly bosom no more than a signboard the day after hallowe'en if it occurs to me in a moment of emotional sanity that the environments of the special case in hand call for a compound fracture of the statutes made and provided for some totally different cases that happen to be called by the same name i fall upon it with my glittering heel-gag without no special wonder for he declaimed i am endowed by nature with certain inalienable rights among which are the high justice the middle and the low and who's to be the judge of whether it's a good law or not you me me every time someone must if i let some other man make up my mind i've got to use my judgment picking the man i follow by organizing myself into a permanent committee of one to do my own thinking i take my one chance of mistakes instead of two so you believe in doing evil that good may come do you well said jeff judicially it seems to be at least as good a proposition as doing good that evil may come of it why capricorn there isn't one thing we call wrong when other men do it that hasn't been lawful some time or other when to break a law is to do a wrong it's evil when it's doing right to break a law it's not evil got that it's not wrong to keep a just law and if it's wrong to break an unjust law i want a new dictionary with pictures of it in the back but laws is useful in exciting diversions to break up the monogamy said aforesaid and it's a dead easy way to build up a rep look at the edge i've got on you fellows you're just supposed to be honest but i've been proved honest frequent hark said pringle a weird sound reached them the night wrangler beguiling his lonely vigil with song oh the cuckoo is a pretty bird she comes in the spring what do you suppose that night hawk thinks about the majesty of the law he said there was a ringing note in his voice smith and headlight nodded gravely their lean brown faces hardened you haven't heard of it old john taylor daddy to yonder warbler drifted here from the east wife and little girl both puny taylor takes up a homestead on the felice he wasn't affluent none i let him have my old paint pony freckles him being knee sprung and not out to cow work and to make an unparalleled team he got ed poe's billy bowlegs knee gambler him havin won a new name by a misunderstanding with the prairie dog hole taylor paid poe for him in work he was a willin old rooster taylor but futile and left-handed all over john junior he was only thirteen him and the old man moseyed around like two drunk ants fixin up a little log-house with rock chimbleys, a horse-pen and shelter rail fencing of the little vegas to put to crops and so on done you good to drop in and hear em plan and figure. there was one happy family how sis em'ly bragged about their hens layin in the spring we all held a bee and made their sakiyas for them baker he loaned em a plow they dragged big branches over the ground for a harrow they could milk anybody's cows they was a mind to tame and the boys took to carrying over motherless calves from miss taylor to raise taylor he done odd jobs and they got along real well with their crops they went into the second winter pert as squirrels but come spring sis wasn't doing well they had the agency doctor too high up and too damp he said so the missus and em'ly they went to cruces where em'ly could go to school that meant right smart of expense rentin a house and all so the johns they hires out john jr made his debut as wrangler for the steam pitchfork acquiring the obvious name of felix the old man he got a job mucking in organ mines kept his arses in jeff Isaac's pasture and saturday nights he'd get one and slip down them eighteen miles to cruises for sunday with the folks well you know a homesteader can't be off his claim more'n six months at a time i reckon if there was ever a homestead taken up in good faith twas the butter-bowl they knew the land laws from to izzard even named their hound-pup bony fido but the old man waited at organ till the last bell rang so to draw down his wages payday THEN HE BUNDLES THE FOLKS INTO HIS LITTLE OLD WAGON AND LIGHTS OUT, Cappin' AT CASIMORO'S WELL, HALFWAY CROSS, THAT ORNERY FRECKLES HOSS HAS A FIT OF MALIGNANT NOSTALGY AND PROJECTS OFF FOR A SUPER BOWL a FOOT IN HIS HOBBLES. NEXT DAY, TAYLOR DON'T OVERTAKE HIM TILL THE MIDDLE OF THE EVENING AND WHAT WITH GOING BACK AND WHAT WITH FRECKLES BEING HOBBLED SORE, HE'S TWO DAYS LATE IN reachin' HOME for lake of agua chiquita that prosperous person had been keeping cases he entered contest on the butter bowl alleging legend abandonment now if it was me but then if twas me i could stay away six years and two months without no remonstrances from lake or his likes i'm somewhat abandoned myself but poor old taylor he's been drug up where they hold biped life unaccountable high He sits him down resignedly beneath the sky, as the poet says, meek and legal. We all don't abnormally like to precipitate in another man's business, but we makes it up to sort of saunter in on lake, spontaneous, and events our disfavor with a rope. But Taylor says no. He allows the land office won't hold him morally responsible for the sinful idiocy of a homesick spotted hoss that's otherwise reliable." He's got one more guess coming. There ain't no sympathies to machinery. Your intentions may be strictly honorable, but if you get your hand caught in the cogs, off it goes, regardless of how handy it is for flankin' calves, holdin' nails, and such things. Absent over six months. Entry cancelled. Contestant is allowed 30 days prior rights to file. Next? That's the way that decision'll read. It ain't come yet, but it's due soon. This here felix looks at it just like the old man only different though he ain't making no statements for a publication he comes here young and having acquired the fixed habit of riskin his neck regular for one dollar per each and every diem showin in the reluctant steer or a fool hoss pirouettin across the pinnacles with a nosebag on or maybe just for fun why I naturally don't see why life is so sweet or peace so dear as to put up with any damn foolishness as pat henry used to say when the boys called on him for a few remarks he's a some serious-minded boy that night hawk and if signs is any indication he's fixin to take an appeal under the winchester act i ain't no seventh son of a son of a gun but my prognostications are that he presently removes lake to another and we trust better world good thing too grunted headlight this lake person is surely a muddy pool chat ye fool head said pringle amiably you may be on the jury i'm going to seek my virtuous couch glad we don't have to bed no cattle viva voce this night ain't he the latin scholar said headlight admiringly they blow about that wire julius caesar sent the associated press but old man pringle done him up for levity and precision when he wrote us the account of his visit to the denver carnival ever hear about a sagittarius no said leo what did he say hick hawk hike two escondido halfway of the desert is designed on simple lines the railroad hauls water in tank cars from dog canyon there is one depot one section house and one combination post office hotel store saloon state station kept by ma sanders and pappy sanders in about the order mentioned also one glorious green cottonwood one pampered rose bush jointly the pride and delight of escondido ownerless but cherished by loving care and a toted tribute of wastewater hither came jeff and leo white with the dust of twenty starlit leagues for accumulated mail of rainbow south horse-feeding breakfast gossip with jolly motherly ma sanders reading and answering of mail then their beauty nap so missing the day's event the passing of the flyer when they woke escondido basked drowsily in the low westering sun The far sunset ranges had put off their workaday homespun brown and gray for chameleon hues of purple and amethyst. Their deep, cool shadows, edged with trembling rose, reached out across the desert. The velvet air stirred faintly to the promise of the night. The agent was putting up his switch-lights. From the kitchen came a cheerful clatter of tinware. "'Now we buy some dry goods and wet,' said Leo. They went into the store that decision's come shrilled pappy in tremulous excitement it's too durn bad registered letters from land office for taylor and lake besides another for lake not registered that one from the land office too said jeff didn't i just tell you say it's a shame why don't some of you fellers gosh if i was only young it's a travesty on justice exclaimed leo indignantly there's really no doubt but that they decided for lake i suppose not a bit he's got the law with him and him and the register is old cronies guess this other letter is from him unofficial likely jeff seated himself on a box how long has this lake got to do his filing in pappy thirty days from the time he signs the receipts for this letter durn him Someone ought to kidnap him, said Leo. Why, that's illegal. Jeff nursed his knee, turned his head to one side, and chanted thoughtfully. Said the little Leo, I'm going to be a horse, and on my middle fingernails to run my earthly course. He broke off and smiled at Leo indulgently. Leo glanced at him sharply. This was Jeff's war song aforetime, but it was to Pappy that Jeff spoke. Dad, you're a better'n any surgeon. Wish you'd go out and look at Leo's horse. His ankles all swelled up. I'll be mixing me up a toddy if Ma's got any hot water. I'm feeling kinder of squeamish. Hot toddy, this weather? Some folks has queer taste, grumbled Pappy. Excuse me. Me and Leo go look at the Charlie horse. That bottle under the shelf is the best. He bustled out, but Jeff caught Ballinger by the sleeve. Will you hold my garments while I stone Stephen? he hissed. I will, said Leo, meeting Jeff's eye. Hit him once for me. Move the lever to the right, you old retrograde, and get Pappy to gyrating on his axis some fifteen or twenty minutes. You listening reverently? Meanwhile, I'll make the necessary incantations. Git, don't look so blamed intelligent, or Pappy'll be suspicious. Bransford hastened to the kitchen ma sanders a bronc fell on me yesterday and my poor body is one big stone bruise can i borrow some boiling water to mix a small prescription or maybe seven one when you first feel like it and repeat at intervals the doctor says don't you get full in my house jeff bramford or i'll feed you to the hogs you take three doses and that'll be a plenty for you jeff put the steaming kettle on the rusty store stove used as a waste paper basket through the long summer touching off the papers with a match he smashed an empty box and put it in then he went into the post office corner and laid impious hands on the united states mail first he steamed open lake's unregistered letter from the land office it was merely a few typewritten lines having no reference to the butter bowl enclosing the plat of t p fourteen e of first guide meridian east range south of third standard parallel south as per request he paused to consider his roving eye lit on the wall where the annual report of the governor of new mexico hung from a nail the very thing he said pasted in the report was a folded map of the territory This he cut out, refolded it until it slipped in the violated envelope, dabbed the flap neatly with Pappy's mucilage, and returned the letter to its proper pigeonhole. He replenished the fire with another box, subjected Lake's registered letter to the steaming process, and opened it with delicate caution. It was the decision, it was in Lake's favor, and it went into the fire substituting for it the plant of t p fourteen and the accompanying letter he resealed it with workmanlike neatness and then restored it with a final inspection the editor sits on the madhouse floor and blaze with the straws of his hair he murmured beaming with complacent pride and reaching for the bottle pappy and leo found him with his hands to the blaze shivering i feel like i was going to have a chill he complained but, with a few remedial measures, he recuperated sufficiently to set off for Rainbow after supper. "'Charlie's ankle seems better,' said Leo artlessly. "'Don't you lay no stress on Charlie's ankle,' said Jeff, in a burst of confidence. "'Where ignorance is bliss, tis folly to be otherwise. Just let Charlie's ankle slip your memory.' The following day Bransford drew rein at West Pringle's shack and summoned him forth. Mr. John Wesley also ran Pringle, he said impressively, I have taken a horse-ride over here to put you through your cataclysm. Will you truthfully answer the rivises I shall now propound to the best of your ability, and govern yourself accordingly till the surface of Hades congeals to glistening bergs, and that with no unseemly curiosity. Is it serious? asked Pringle anxiously. This is straight talk pringle took a long look and held up his hand i will he said soberly john wesley do you or do you not believe stephen w lake of aguachiquiti to be a low-down coniferous skunk by birth inclination and training i do john wesley do you or do you not possess the full confidence and affection of felix the night hawk otherwise known and designated as john taylor jr of butterbowl esq i do do you john wesley pringle esteem me jeff bransford irrespective of colour sex or previous condition of turpitude to be such a one as may be safely tied to when all the hitching posts done pulled up and will you now promise to love honour and obey me till the cows come home or till further orders i do i will and may god have mercy on my soul here are your powders then do you go and locate the above-mentioned and described felix and impart to him under the strict seal of secrecy these tidings to wit namely that you have a presentiment almost amounting to conviction that the butter-bowl contest is decided in lake's favour but that your further presentiment is that said lake will not use his prior right if taylor should get such a decision from the land office don't let him or felix say a word to no one if mr b bode should ask tell him twas a map or land laws or something moreover said felix he is not to stab cut pierce or otherwise mutilate said lake nor to wickedly maliciously feloniously and unlawfully fire at or upon the person of said lake with any rifle pistol musket or gun the same being then and there loaded with powder and with balls shot bullets or slugs of lead or other metal you see to that personal i'd go to him myself but he don't know me well enough to have confidence in my divinations you promulgate these prophecies as your sole personal device and construction sabe then thirty days after lake signs a receipt for his decision and you will take steps to inform yourself of that you sidle casually down to roswell with old man taylor and see that he puts preemption papers on the butter bowl c'est là? three the first knowledge lake had of the state of affairs was when the steam pitchfork punchers informally extended to him the right hand of fellowship hitherto withheld under the impression that he had generously abstained from pushing home his vantage when in the mid-flood of his unaccountable popularity the situation dawned upon him he wisely held his peace he was a victim of the accomplished fact taylor had already filed his preemption so lake reaped volunteer harvest of good will bearing his honors in graceful silence on lake's next trip to escondido pappy sanders laid aside his marked official hauteur lake stayed several days praised the rosebush and maw sanders cookery and indulged in much leisurely converse with pappy thereafter he had a private conference with stratton the register of the roswell land office His suspicion fell quite naturally on Felix and on Jeff as accessory during the fact. So it was that when Jeff and Leo took in Roswell Fair, where Jeff won a near prize at the roping match, Hobart, the United States Marshal, came to their room. After introducing himself, he said, "'Mr. Stratton would like to see you, Mr. Bransford.' why that's all right said jeff genially uh, some of my very great grandfolks was dakotas and i've got my name and who's sue but i'm not proud trot him around exact who is stratton anyhow he's the register of the land office and he wants to see you there on a very particular business i'd go if i was you said the marshal significantly oh that way said jeff is this an arrest or do you just give me this invite semi officiously? You accuse yourself, sir. Were you expecting arrest? That sounds like a bad conscience. Don't you worry about my conscience. If I've ever done anything I'm sorry for, I'm glad of it. Now this Stratton party, is he some aged and venerable? Cause if he is, I waive ceremony and seek him in his lair at the witching hour of two this tarde, and if not, not he's old enough even if there were no other reasons never mind any other reasons it shall never be said that i failed to reverence gray hairs i'll be there i guess i'll just wait and see that you go said the marshal have you got any papers for me asked jeff politely no this is my room said jeff this is my fist this is me this is my door open it leo Mr. Hobart, you will now make rapid forward motions with your feet, alternately, like a man removing his company from where it is not desired, or I'll go through you like a domesticated cyclone. See you at two sharp. Hobart obeyed. He was a good judge of men. Jeff closed the door. We went upon the battlefield, he said plaintively, before us and behind us, and every which way we looked we seen a Roserinas we went into another field behind us and before us and every which way we looked we seen a rhinosaurus mr lake has been evidently browsing and perusing around and poor old pappy not being posted has likely been narrating about charlie's ankle and how i got a chill warm him. it looks that way confessed leo did you have a chill jeff jeff's eyes crinkled not so nigh as i am now but shucks i've been in worse emergencies and uh, always emerged thanks be i can always do my best when i have to oh what a tangled web we weave when uh, we don't keep in practice if i'd just come out straight forward and declare myself to pappy he'd a tightened up his drawstrings and forgot all about my chill but no, well as i know from long experience that good old human nature only too willin to do the right thing and the fair thing if somebody'd only tip it off to em i must play a lone hand and not even call for my partner's best well i'm going to ramify round and scrutinize this here stratton's numbers equipments and disposition meet me in the office at the fatal hour The marshal wore a mocking smile—stratton, large, florid, well-fed, and eminently respectable, turned in his revolving chair with a severe and majestic motion, adjusted his glasses in a prolonged and offensive examination, and frowned portentously. "'Fine large day, isn't it?' observed Jeff affably. "'Beautiful little city you have here.' He sank into a chair. Smile and attitude were of pleased and sprightly anticipation a faint flush showed beneath stratton's neatly trimmed mutton-chops such jaunty bearing was exasperating to offended virtue ah who is this other person mr hobart oh pardon my rudeness jeff sprang up and bowed brisk apology mr stratton allow me to present mr ballinger a worthy representative of the yellow press mr stratton mr ballinger i have a communication to make to you said the displeased mr stratton in icy tones which in your own interest should be extremely private the marshal whispered to him stratton gave leo a fiercely intimidating glare communicate away said jeff airily excommunicate if you want to mr ballinger as a citizen is part owner of this office if you want to bar him you'll have to change the venue to your private residence and then i won't come very well sir mr stratton rose inflated his chest and threw back his head his voice took on a steady roll mr bransford you stand under grave displeasure of the law you are grievously suspected of being cognizant of if not actually accessory to the robbery of the united states mail by john taylor jr at escondido on the eighteenth day of last october you may not be aware of it but you have an excellent chance of serving a term in the penitentiary jeff pressed his hands between his knees and leaned forward i'm sure i'd never be satisfied there he said with conviction His white teeth flashed in an ingratiatory smile. But why suspect young John? Why not old John? He paused, looking at the register attentively. Hmm, here from Indiana, I believe, Mr. Stratton, he said. The elder Taylor on the day in question is fully accounted for, said Hobart. Young Taylor claims to have passed the night at Willow Springs alone, but no one saw him from breakfast time the 17th till noon on the 19th he rarely ever has anyone with him when he's alone that may account for them not seeing him at willow suggested jeff he did not look at hobart but regarded stratton with an air of deep meditation the register paced the floor slowly ponderously with an impressive pause at each turn tapping his left hand with his eyeglass to score his points he had ample time to go to escondido and return the envelope in which mr lake's copy of this office's decision in the lake taylor contest was enclosed has been examined it bears unmistakable signs of having been tampered with turning to mark the effect of these tactics he became aware of his victim's contemplative gaze it disconcerted him he resumed his pacing jeff followed him with a steady eye in the same mail i sent mr lake another letter the envelope was unfortunately destroyed mr lake suspecting nothing a map had been substituted for its contents and they in turn were substituted for the decision in the registered letter with the evident intention of depriving mr lake of his prior right to file by george it sounds probable jeff laughed derisively "'So that's it. And here we all fought Lake. Let it go out of giddy generosity. My stars, but won't he get the horse smile when the boys find out?' Stratton controlled himself with an effort. "'We have decided not to push the case against you if you will tell what you know,' he began. Jeff lifted his brows. "'We? And who's we? You two? I should have thought this was a post-office lay.' "'We are investigating the affair,' exclaimed Hobart. "'I see. As private individuals. Yes, yes, Does a lake pay you by the day or by the job.' Stratton, blazing with anger, smote his palm heavily with his fist. "'Young man, young man, your insolence is unbearable. We are trying to spare you, as you had no direct interest in the matter, and doubtless concealed your guilty knowledge through a mistaken and distorted sense of honor." "'But you tempt us. You tempt us. You don't seem to realize the precarious situation in which you stand.' "'What I don't see,' said Jeff, in puzzled tones, "'is why you bother to spare me at all. If you can prove this, why don't you cinch me and Felix both? Why do you want me to tell you what you already know? But if you can't prove it, who the hell cares what you suspect?' "'We will arrest you,' said Stratton thickly, "'just as soon as we can make out the papers.' "'Turn your wolf loose, you four-fleshers. "'You may make me trouble, but you can't prove anything. "'Speaking of trouble, how about you, Mr. Stratton?' As a spring leaps, released from highest tension, face and body and voice flashed from passive indolence to sudden, startling attack. His arm lashed swiftly out as if to deliver the swordsman's stabbing thrust. The poised body followed up to push the stroke home you think your secret's safe don't you it's been some time ago words only yet it might have been a very sword's point past stretton's guard for the register flinched staggered his arrogant face grew mottled his arm went up he fell back a step silent quivering leaning heavily on a chair the marshal gave him a questioning glance jeff kept on you're prominent in politics business society the church you've a family to think of it's up to you mr stratton is it worth while had we better drop it with a dull sickening thud stratton collapsed into the chair a shapeless bundle turning a shriveled feeble face to the marshal in voiceless imploring unhesitating hobart put a hand on his shoulder that's all right old man we won't give you away brace up he nodded jeff to the door you win he said leo followed on tiptoe why the poor old duck said jeff remorsefully in the passage wish i hadn't come down on him so hard i overdid it that time still if i hadn't at the hondo bridge jeff looked back and waved a hand Goodbye, old town now we go gallopy trot gallopy gallopy trot he sang and the ringing hoofs kept time and tune Florence, my headable Geneva, Jane, she came home in the wind and the rain, she came home in the rain and the snow, ain't a-goin' to leave my home any more. Jeff, said the mystified Ballinger, spurring up beside him, what has the grey-haired register done? Has the murder stained his hands with gore? Jeff raised his bridal hand. Gee, Leo, I don't know. i just taken a chance. End of prologue